A very good morning to you. Welcome to the papers for Thursday, the 22nd of February 2024. And I, I don't know if you can hear it, but it's belting down out there. It's a, a, another horrendous morning here in Salford. Incredibly wet. Bit of flooding around. A bit of flooding around the, the local park, Buell Hill Park. Very heavy rain. And they tell us it's going to uh, turn a bit colder later on as well. More seasonal temperatures on the way the final week in February. Maybe the winter is going out with a bang, with a last gasp maybe, a roar. Uh, the winter not giving up easily. But yeah, horrible this morning. I've had another soaking. Thank God for galoshes and sou'westers and wellies. None of which I have, by the way. I just have a pair of ratty old walking shoes that I use for walking the dogs. Anyway, hope I find you well this morning. Going straight to the front pages of today's UK dailies. And they're dominated this morning. The papers are dominated, the front pages anyway, by a massive row in the House of Commons. I'll explain it in a moment, because the broadcasters are not doing a very good job of explaining it. I don't know if that is deliberate. I, I really don't, but I'll explain it, what happened. The Guardian. Fury in Commons forces Speaker to apologise over Gaza vote. Chaos is the headline. Also on the front page of The Guardian, a photograph taken outside the House of Commons yesterday, outside uh, the building, where thousands of pro-Palestinian, pro-peace marchers gathered ahead of a vote on um, a ceasefire, or at least calling for a ceasefire. I'll tell you, I'll explain it in a moment, okay? The I, I'm not suggesting you're stupid, by the way, but in case you haven't been following it, uh, the I, Commons chaos as MPs walk out of Gaza. Vote, Financial Times, same story, Walk out over Gaza. Motion brings chaos to commons. All the papers alleging that the Speaker of the House, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, might very well be in danger of losing his job. The Daily Telegraph, Speaker on brink after walkout. Yes, the Telegraph also contains an interview with Sir Jim Ratcliffe, and this is mentioned on the front page too. Ratcliffe and his company, Ineos, have just had their bid for a 27% stake in Manchester United Football Club. It's been ratified finally. Ratcliffe and Ineos will now take over the day-to-day -day running of the football club's operations. You might be interested in that. You might not. You might also be surprised to learn that as a lifelong supporter of Manchester United, I no longer give a shit, to be honest. Uh, to, to be totally honest, even though I do continue to go to the home games. Uh, Daily Express, no confidence, fury over Speaker's vote, stitch up. Yes. There's also a photograph on the front page of the Express of Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, and a grinning Charles, not my king, um, who told Sunak that he has been reduced to tears by the support of the public after it was announced that he is having treatment for cancer. Yeah. I think in reality, most of the public don't give a shit. Maybe I don't have a right to speak for the British public. I surely don't have a right to speak for the public, but I, I tell you, I, I know what, what goes on in my own community 
people in Salford couldn't give a damn. Not that they wished the man any ill will, they just couldn't give a shit. Daily Mail, bosses must make allowances for menopausal women. We'll come back to that. Bosses must make allowances for menopausal women. It also features or, or sports a photograph of Lindsay Hoyle. The Times, respect the menopause or be sued, firms told. I will, of course, come back to that. The Sun, King's Tears is the headline. It has that photograph of Sunak and Charles. Well-wishers have made me cry, said Charles. Metro, we thought we'd won £2.60. Turns out it was £61,708,231. And this is a couple who won the Euro Millions some weeks ago, saying they initially thought they were the victims of some sort of hacking, not, not hacking, some sort of swindle, some sort of fraud, right, when they were told they'd actually won 61.7 million quid. That's not a bad reality, is it, to be confronted with? I think we won 260 on, on, on our lottery ticket. In fact, you've won 61.7 million pounds, love. Happy days. Daily Mirror, same story. Dell of a win is the headline. Uh, the, the, the headline, Dell of a win, is because they celebrated like Dell and Rodney, apparently. They went crazy upon learning. They'd won so much money. The star, liar, liar, pants on fire, is the headline. And the star has a photograph of Boris Johnson mocked up to make it look like he has a very long nose. What is that about? Well, it's about, um, it's about the, it, it is about a, a claim, a claim that more than half of us lie on a daily basis. It's some survey or other, I'm guessing, some study. More than half of people lie on a daily basis. And I'm thinking about that now, looking at myself, do I lie on a daily basis? I mean, what constitutes a lie? When, when when you see your missus first thing in the morning and she looks like most people who get up out of bed um, first thing in the morning, does, if you say you look fabulous, love, and she doesn't look fabulous, does that constitute a lie? I don't know. I don't, but yeah, anyway, we'll leave it there. Let's go inside the papers. But let me explain what happened yesterday because it is the focus of at least pretty much all of the front pages. And the papers are carrying several stories inside about what happened yesterday. Okay, I'll explain it. Simply, yesterday was designated as SNP Opposition Day. That's the Scottish National Party. So it it had been designated an SNP Opposition Day. Labour would have an Opposition Day. Uh, The Lib Dems, the Greens, it's it's a regular thing, right? And it means the party having an opposition day um, can put forward motions for debate and motions which can be voted upon. So the SNP had originally tabled a motion calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. Now what would happen ordinarily is this would be debated on and then it would be voted on before there would be any amendments tabled by other parties. It's important that this is made clear. Okay, so the party enjoying the opposition day, yesterday was the SNP's, 
what should have happened was the SNP motion should have been debate, debated even and would have been voted upon before any amendments tabled by any other parties, including the government. But Lindsay Hoyle, the Speaker of the House, was a Labour MP. Well, he was a Labour MP before being elected to the position of Speaker. He broke with this tradition and he allowed a Labour amendment on the SNP uh, motion first. So he said first there would be uh, a debate and vote on a Labour amendment. And this caused absolute chaos. Uh, there were scenes in the House of Commons, fury, says the BBC, from both the SNP and the Conservatives. The SNP said, this is unprecedented. Our motion says what it says. It needs to be debated and we need to have a vote. You see, the initial motion tabled by the SNP not only called for an immediate ceasefire, but it also called for an end to the collective punishment of the Palestinian people. And this is what prompted Sir Keir Starmer, the leader of the, leader of the Labour Party, to go and speak to Lindsay Hoyle in private and say, you've got to allow our amendment first and break with tradition. So Hoyle said, OK, and this caused absolute chaos. Now, Labour's amendment called for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire, but also said uh, Israel cannot be expected to cease fighting if Hamas continues with violence. Do you get what went on there? OK, what went on there was was that Keir Starmer was terrified that there would be an open rift in his own party. Because he, presumably, and most of his shadow front bench, would not have voted with the Scottish National Party because of the language, collective punishment of the Palestinian people. You see, Starmer is owned by the Israeli lobby. Just like most of his front bench and just like pretty much most of the uh, party opposite him in government. And he couldn't be seen to be voting for... Uh, a motion that called for the for the end of the collective punishment of the Palestinian people. So he ran into Hoyle's chambers, allegedly, and he said, you've got to allow us put an amendment ahead of the SNP vote because I can't have open rebellion in my party, in the Labour Party. I won't be voting with the SNP amendment because uh, because I'm terrified of Israel. But a lot of my hard left backbenchers will vote with the SNP and the SNP's call to end the collective punishment of the Palestinian people. So that's what pretty much happened. And Hoyle broke with tradition. He should have said to Starmer, no, tough shit, Paddy, if you end up with a rebellion on your own back benches, if you vote against the SNP and half of your party votes with the SNP, tough shit, Paddy. It is an SNP opposition day. That's what should have happened. But Hoyle, um, maybe... You know, his own party allegiances because he's a Labour MP. Maybe that came into play. He went to the Commons and said that uh, despite um, years and years of tradition, we will allow Labour's amendment before a vote on the SNP motion. And that is what caused murders in Parliament yesterday. It's all about the embarrassment, um, the potential embarrassment of another rebellion over Labour's position on Gaza rather than allow the SNP motion um, first of all be debated and then voted upon because so many Labour MPs would have voted with the SNPs. Anyway, look, later on, Lindsay Hoyle apologised. 
but is facing calls to resign. A number of uh, MPs even walked out of the Commons yesterday. I think I explained that as well as anybody explained it, but they're not doing a good job of it this morning. SNP motion said immediate ceasefire, end the collective punishment of the Palestinian people. That should have been heard and it should have been voted upon in the in the um in the lobbies, right? It's what they do. Starmer went, Oh no, I can't vote with the SNP because of that language about collective punishment. Oh no, oh dear. But yet a lot of my fellow Labour MPs will vote with it because on the hard left of the party um, they are very disappointed with how I you know, have basically failed to condemn what Israel is doing in Gaza. So I wonder can we get an amendment voted upon, uh, an amendment to the SNP's motion. It shouldn't have happened, it did happen and it's, uh, it's madness. Y- you want... You know, 30,000 people have been murdered there, half of them children, murdered by a brutal, despotic, genocidal regime. And imagine they have to vote and debate on the, the language appropriate to tell Israel to stop killing children. Isn't it fucking vaudeville? I mean, do you want further proof that the entire British political class is controlled by the Israeli lobby? when they stumble and fumble and trip up over how, how, how do we best ask Israel to stop killing children without offending Israelis? I mean, it, it is tantamount to treason. It, it really is, isn't it? And that's that. Let's leave that story and look at one or two stories elsewhere in the papers today. Here's one in The Guardian. UK regulator to apologise to gay doctors struck off because of sexuality. So this is the General Medical Council. It will issue a formal, the Guardian is claiming this is an exclusive today, the General Medical Council will, will issue a formal apology to medics it investigated, sanctioned, issued warnings to, or banned from practising due to convictions they had under now repealed legislation outlawing male homosexuality. So this is about doctors who were harassed by the GMC when it was illegal to be gay, okay? Um, There will be an apology over this. The Guardian says, established in 1858, the GMC is one of the world's oldest medical bodies and the independent regulator of doctors working in England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland. It has the power to begin inquiries that can ultimately determine whether medics can continue to treat patients. Between 1899 and 1994, it initiated fitness-to-practice proceedings against at least 40 male doctors because of their sexuality. And that's according to the result of a recent internal investigation by the GMC. At least eight doctors were struck off the medical register as a result, unable to practice medicine ever again. Charlie Massey, the current chief executive of the GMC said the findings of the review are shocking and he apologised for the harm caused to doctors' professional and personal lives. Yes, it was outrageous, of course, wasn't it? That a doctor could be struck off because of his sexuality. An outrage, of course. They will issue a statement today expressing how truly sorry the GMC is for actions taken against doctors under homophobic laws that uh, would nowadays, of course, be considered unjust. Now, we've spoken quite a bit about the GMC on the Richie Allen Show. 
with uh, doctors who have fallen foul of investigations by the GMC over the years. Good doctors, good people. You know, Andrew Wakefield, uh, Jane Dunnigan and, and, and many others. I wonder in the future, will there be apologies to doctors who have been investigated, who have been threatened with suspension, were suspended or who have even lost their jobs because they stood up to the COVID bollocks, I wonder. I wonder in the future, will they apologise to doctors who have been investigated because they refused to take part in a vaccination programme with a completely untested and untried um, um, gene therapy medicine? You know, I wonder, will they? I doubt it very much, do you? I doubt it, whether we'll see such apologies in the future. Telegraph. Islamist extremism not being effectively tackled by the government. What's this about? Well, this is um, an independent review of Prevent. Now, Prevent is a UK UK government anti-terrorism strategy. And the Telegraph says, in an exclusive interview with William Shawcross, um, he says, and he was set up to independently, sorry, he was given the job of independently looking at the government's anti-terrorism strategy. He has reviewed it, as William Shawcross, and he has told the Telegraph that, in his opinion, the government has failed to fully implement his proposals to overhaul, prevent its counter-terrorism programme, which means, which means even the public is facing an increased threat from extremists and terrorists. He said the failure to take tougher action stemmed from a continuing bias within Prevent towards tackling the rise in right-wing terrorism rather than the main threat of Islamist extremism or Islamist terrorism. So he's saying this guy that has been a real focus on right-wing terror rather than the main threat of Islamist terror. He said he warned ministers a year ago about the need to tackle, wait for it, the pernicious threat from the Hamas support network in the UK, which had now become more dangerous following the terror group's attack on Israel on October 7th. He blamed the network's members for fueling the horrific increase in anti-Semitism and encouraging anti-Semitic abuse and banners on pro-Palestinian marches. Now, this is disgusting fucking bollocks, this. And this is further evidence, if you need it, that journalism is dead. It is deader than the dodo, finished kaput in this country. This is a nonsense. And it is horrifying to me. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I don't know if you care. This thing keeps me up nights. It is... It, it really is absolutely terrifying to me where we are now. When people can make ludicrous, baseless, insane claims like that there is a Hamas support network in the UK. There is not. There is no evidence of it. Right? And that the Hamas network is behind anti-Semitic abuse and banners on pro-Palestinian marches. It is terrifying, abjectly horrifying where we are in the UK today without a media, that the Telegraph can publish this crap without challenging a single word of it. Where is your evidence, Shawcross, of a Hamas support network in the UK? Where? There has never 
been any support or any network in the UK generating support for Hamas. Never. It's the first anybody's ever heard of it. It is bollocks. Yet the Telegraph prints it as if it is true. The people who have marched in the UK, whatever city you care to mention, against what's going on, the genocide in Gaza, are, for the most part, I have seen them with my own eyes. British Muslims, men, women, often taking their children. Trade unionists, socialists, people who would consider themselves to be on the left of the political spectrum, appalled by people who have for many years, people who have for decades opposed the brutal apartheid genocidal regime of Israel. That is who is turning up to demand an end to the slaughter in Gaza. Those were the people in their tens of thousands outside the House of Commons yesterday as it was degenerating into a farce inside when they were stumbling over and arguing over the language they would use to ask Israel to stop killing children in Gaza. It's got nothing to do with Hamas. There is no Hamas network in the UK. Journalism is fucking dead. The Telegraph can print that crap without asking for a shred of evidence. But again, the Telegraph is just as much in thrall to the Zionist fucking lobby in this country as any other newspaper, isn't it? What nonsense. Hamas network of support behind anti-Semitism at pro-Palestine rallies. It makes me sick. And you know what makes me sick? You know what keeps me up nights? You know what is driving me out of the... Of, of, of the job, and it is honestly driving me out of the job, I'm not long for this job, is, is that there's nothing I can do about it. Nothing. Completely helpless to do anything about it. Journalism is dead, finished, kaput finito, and it's never coming back. Uh, the Times led with front page today, respect the menopause or be sued for disability discrimination. Guidance from the Equality and Human Rights Commission has been issued to employers, telling them they have a legal obligation to women who are going through the menopause and experiencing symptoms like difficulty sleeping, hot flushes and brain fog. Uh, The guidance states that the symptoms of menopause can be considered a disability under the Equality Act if they have a long-term and substantial impact on a woman's ability to carry out day-to-day activities. It also states that they should be protected from discrimination on the grounds of age and sex. The watchdog recommends that employers consider reducing temperatures or improving ventilation in workplaces and if possible providing rest areas or quiet areas. Uh, quiet areas. It also suggests that they should consider relaxing uniform policy to allow women to wear cooler clothing. Employers are encouraged to offer greater flexibility including changing shift patterns to allow women who are struggling to sleep, uh, women struggling to sleep, to start later in the day. Uh, The guidance also suggests that employers may allow staff to work from home where possible. Okay. And employers that take disciplinary action against women because of menopause-related absence could be sued for discrimination, according to this guidance. Again, the guidance coming from the Equality and Human Rights Commission. It sounds like common sense to me. Women should not be discriminated against if um, they are suffering 
um, ill health due to the menopause. And I would imagine most firms in 2024, I would imagine, maybe don't need to be warned by the Equality and Human Rights Commission. I'd imagine that in this day and age, maybe I'm wrong, most employers would have a fairly sympathetic approach to uh, the menopause. But again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe most employers don't. Uh, the Mirror claims an exclusive interview with Vitaly Klitschko, the former heavyweight champion of the world, now the mayor of Kiev. He's begging for money. Uh, surprise, surprise, Asila might sing. Uh, he, he's saying, wait for it. Klitschko warns that Putin could go on rampage across Europe if he defeats Ukraine. Putin is a big threat to everybody, says Vitaly Klitschko. If he defeats Ukraine, he could go on the rampage across Europe like Hitler did back in 1936, 37, 38, 39. It's bollocks, of course. It's just a plea for more money at a time when there's um, allegedly, because I don't know, but there's a big row in Congress in the United States of America where Republicans, you know, are, are, are blocking or attempting to block the US government, Joe Biden's administration, from sending billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars to the Ukraine war effort. Send us more money because if you don't, Putin could try and take over Europe. Again, it is monumental bollocks. And that's not my opinion. It really is. The Times leads with, it doesn't lead with, sorry, there's a story inside the Times. Um, Catherine Hamnett bins CBE in disgust over war in Gaza. Catherine Hamnett is a fashion designer, became famous in the 1990s. Um, she's known as the queen of the slogan t-shirt. Um, the Times says she's no stranger to political stunts. She's made her feelings about Gaza clear. She has chucked her CBE, which she was given by the late Queen, chucked it into a wheelie bin, um, saying she's disgusted to be British because of our role in the genocide in Gaza. My CBE belongs in the dustbin with Sunak and Starmer. She posted a video of her binning her CBE too. So that's kind of it for the newspapers. There's an interesting opinion piece in The Sun written by Rod Little, a regular columnist in The Sun. Um, let's make a child with a smartphone feel as shocking as a child with a cigarette. He writes, Little has been very impressed, he writes about the speed of the political campaign with people joining from all sides, cross-party, to try and limit um, smartphone usage amongst children, uh, to restrict smartphones or to ban them. And he writes about attention spans and, and um, you know, pornography and paedophilia and all of this sort of stuff and how smartphones make children vulnerable to all of those horrible things. We did hear from a mum and a behavioural therapist in the week on the Richie Allen show, Katie, who made a very powerful argument for children to have access to mobile phones to keep them safe. It's an interesting one that, I, I'm looking at that closely, to be honest, when the entirety of the establishment is telling you that something should happen, that we should limit the access, limit children's access to phones, you begin to wonder, is there something else going on? Maybe there is. Maybe it's something we might, might have a, a closer look at on uh, the Richie Allen show. I'm looking at the BBC News website, dominated again by 
uh, Lindsay Hoyle, the Speaker, and the events in the House of Commons yesterday. And, and that's really it, really. That's pretty much all I can tell you uh, this morning. Uh, join me at 4 o'clock UK time today for Thursday's Richie Allen Show. I hope you can join me. I'll be live at 4 o'clock. Uh, the great Mark Windows is among the guests on today's programme. Uh, keep dry would be my advice to you today. It's a horrible day in much of the country. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Papers. Have a good Thursday. And as I have already said, I hope we can speak later. I hope you can join me later at four o'clock. Until then, bye now.